Amen. I want you to notice something that just happened in the service. Notice it. Notice it, please. When we began, we were all excited. There was a baptism. It was great things going on. And then we were introduced to the life of Saul. A cruel life, tragic. People were sad in this room. We didn't understand what was going on. Why these readings? Why these tragedies? And then we prayed. Gospel Ensemble comes out and they sing words of life, words of encouragement, and it changes the very atmosphere of where we are. Imagine that. I pray for you and you pray for me. And then we watch God change things. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Yes, yes. And so, oh, Holy One, we give thanks this day that no matter where we are, Spirit, you are here with us, always changing things and always working on our behalf. And so, God, we open up our hearts now to receive all that you would have us to in the joy of your Spirit and the grace of your loving arms and especially in the fellowship of one another, your people. For these things, God, we do give you thanks. Amen. Well, people of God, I want us to thank again the Gospel Ensemble for giving us such great words of life this morning. Thank you so much. There are times in life when we have to sing our own songs of encouragement. No matter where we find ourselves, it's always good to receive words of life from others. You see, for far too many of us in this room, we've had to pray on our own time. We've had to pray for ourselves, and we've had to do it all ourselves all along our spiritual journey. And I'll be honest with you, personally, sometimes I do get tired of taking responsibility for my own spiritual life. Sometimes I get tired of having to remind myself day in and day out that life, that God, that this community, that we are still somehow good, that there is so much to live for that the blessings of God are for all of us right here and right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I get tired, but I still do it. I still remind myself. I still speak words of encouragement to myself. You know, I have no issues talking to myself whatsoever. I am my mother's only child, and as the only child, I learned very quickly that if I wanted to talk to someone who would always listen no matter what I said, it was going to be me, all right? One thing Reverend Troy has learned is that I still speak to myself wherever I am. Isn't that right, Reverend Troy? In your office, in Reverend Kristen's office, in Reverend Troy's bathroom, <laughs> in Reverend Kristen's closet where those red shoes are. <laughs> I don't have oh, that's right, that's right. But no matter what's going on, I'm still talking to myself, singing to myself. But sometimes I, maybe like you, we wear ourselves out. There are times in life when you get tired of doing things all on your own. And so we get tired, and what do we do? We begin to look around, and we see other people and other folks, and we say, now, wait a minute. They don't have to do everything on their own. We say, wait a minute. Look at her over there. She doesn't even pray. Look at that person over there. He doesn't even come to church. As a matter of fact, they make fun of folks who come to church. Even more so, look at this person. Got a bigger house than I do, a bigger car than I do, a better dress than I do. And she has a partner that 
pays for everything. I don't have that. I wish I had someone to take care of me. Someone to fight my battles for me. Someone who would listen to me. A king like we read in the opening call to worship. Now, I'll be honest. For me, it doesn't have to be a king. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a queen. It can be a queen, whatever the case may be. But everyone, everyone else has one. And what do we say? I want one too. People of God, our scriptures this morning tell us that the ancient Israelites got tired of taking responsibility for their own spiritual journey. They got tired of being in the wilderness and having to go from one battle to the next. They grew weary of asking for daily bread. They wanted a storehouse where they could find all of their bread. And this ancient and exhausted people just couldn't do it anymore. You ever found yourself in life where you felt like you just couldn't go on anymore? And so this people of God looked around and they saw all these other nations. And they said, now wait a minute. We're trying to trust God right here within us. We're trying to do our own thing, following spirits. And all these other nations, they've got pharaohs, they've got kings, they've got all supreme rulers. We need one too. We need someone to fight our battles, to listen to our cries when no one else will listen. We need a superhero savior who will scoop down and rescue us from all that is going on. We want a king. That's what the people say. We are always wanting something in life that is outside of ourselves, are we not? For some reason, we are never good enough to trust God who lives within us. And so we seek God in the form of a king, in the form of a queen, God in the form of a president or a parent, or God in a priest or even a preacher. But someone or something that we can place and lift up on a pedestal. And I tell you, the Israelites, they get their pedestal king named Saul, even though he really does not want to be king at all. But why not be king? Why not be the envy of all the people, Saul? Why not lead them joyously into battle? Why not be what the people want you to be? How cruel can that really be? People of God, the truth is, Saul can never live up to the role of king. But it's not because he's unfit. It's not because he doesn't have the competencies to be successful. No. Saul will never be the king that they want him to be because the people will not allow him to do so. You see, no matter what he does, in the people's eyes, it will never be good enough. Can you relate to this? You ever been in a relationship where you never felt good enough? Have you ever been part of churches and faith communities where you were never good enough to participate fully in the life of the church? You ever worked for a company or a business where you were never good enough for the job that you were supposed to do? You ever felt like you weren't good enough? Maybe you looked in the mirror and thought you would never be good enough for others, for yourself, and maybe even for God. In the music video that we saw earlier, a non-traditional household, we know a little bit about non-traditional households in this room, 
this non-traditional household looks around at all the other families in the neighborhood, and they see that all these other families have a mother for their children. These other families have a wife for their husband. And since they do not have the mother figure in the family, they begin to feel not good enough about anything, but especially themselves. This has happened to us a time or two where we have compared ourselves to others. And for some reason, we feel like we are lacking something. This family, they just want to be like everyone else, just like us. We just want to fit in, right? We just want to be the model like everyone else. They want the ideal mother, and so they find a mother. And boy, do they put her to work. And wouldn't you know it, she's pretty good at what she does. She is pretty good. She cares for the family. She cooks. She cleans. She supports everyone in the family. But this family, the members of this family, think she isn't good enough. You see, she's supposed to be Martha Stewart, but she's herself. She's supposed to be Paula Dean, but she's herself. She's supposed to be Halle Berry, but she's herself. The family doesn't want her to be herself. They want her to be Octomom and the Virgin Mary all in the same place. It gets so ridiculous. And what happens when, God forbid, we don't measure up? Like Saul, we are treated cruelly. We are diminished in front of others. You hear things like, can't you do anything right in this family? We're ridiculed for being ourselves. Why do you do that? You know I don't like that. Stop that. And even more, we are constantly reminded of how we do not measure up. You know, I could have any man I want. My ex used to always do this for me. I'm just saying. How cruel we can sometimes be in families, in relationships, just being on our own. Now, before we all put ourselves into the victim category, yes, we've all been victims of others who treat us cruelly. We live in a society where we are still not fully equal. We recognize that. But let's be honest. We've also been cruel to others. Sometimes we do not even realize how cruel we are. You know, as a kid, I remember when I got in trouble with my mother, and I didn't know whether to talk or be quiet because of the mixed messages that she was giving. You know, you may have a similar situation like this, where you get in trouble, and then, like my mother would say, get in the corner. I don't want to hear another peep out of you. Hush, don't say a thing. And then she would move right into, what were you thinking? <laughs> what are you doing? Answer me when I'm talking to you. Even more, maybe it's a, 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 you're coming home for dinner and you smell something good as you walk in. And you say, oh, what's cooking? And then your other half says, oh, we're cooking steaks. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, make sure you cook them well done now because I don't like any pink in my steak. And then 10 minutes later at the dinner table, you hear the words, boy, this meat is so dry. <laughs> maybe it's a, another situation. Have you ever heard this? Why don't you ever tell me I'm beautiful? beautiful. <laughs> I'm beautiful, she says. 
and yet I know that my hair is all disheveled, I need to lose five pounds, my shoes do not match, and yet even still, I know you're just saying that just to make me feel good, right? <laughs> right? This is fun, this is, these are small little things, but even still, there is a little cruelty in them. It's not just about intent, people, it's about the impact on our lives. You see, too many times we set up false expectation and, and expectations, and these expectations are cruel. But let's be honest, it's not the cruelest aspect of our lives. The cruelest aspect is refusing to see the goodness in oneself. When we refuse to see the humanity in one another, there is no way for us to see the divinity. But when we refuse to see the humanity in the mirror, there is no way to see God within we cannot expect anyone else to see it for us. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great to be affirmed. I love it. But outside affirmation can only do so much. You have to see it for yourself. You have to do it yourself. People of God, you've got to look in the mirror and you have to affirm yourself as the beautiful child of God that you are. When we take responsibility for our own spiritual journeys, we allow God room to change things in our life, as the gospel ensemble is saying, to work with us in bringing about something good. Now, be sure you hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to take responsibility for every bad thing that has happened in your life. You are not responsible for every bad situation that is going on in your current circumstances. But you are responsible for what can come out of your present situation. You are responsible for taking part in your own recovery. You are responsible for taking part in praying and working to be part of this God-given solution so you can bring about with God some good news that truly impacts this world for the kingdom, the community of our God. You see, every time something happens, God is already working on our behalf. Whether we believe it or not, divine energy is already moving when trying circumstances come our way. And it is our responsibility to join with spirit in sort of co-creating this brighter future for ourselves and for our worlds. Even when you are responsible for your current situation. Even when you do something that creates bad news for yourself or someone else. I dare say that God can still use any situation to bring something good out of it. When I was at uh, Oral Roberts University uh, just a, a few short years ago, um, I was a musician. Um, I still am a musician sometimes. I get a chance to do every now and then with Dewana. Um, playing drums. Playing drums, but I had to stay out till maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning trying to make a living, you know. But this was a Christian university. And at this university, there was a thing called a curfew. And so we had to be back by midnight. We are grown folks with a curfew. Can you believe this? <laughs> grown folks with a curfew. And yet here I am trying to get passes, trying to make a living just so I can play in different jazz bands and make a living. Well, I got that. That was great. I got passes. But every time I returned back to campus and had to unload my car, uh, get rid of all these drums that were in my car, I had to walk almost a half a mile because our student lot was the upper lot, we called it. It was a half mile away at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know how long that takes, hauling drums? Dewanda, do you know how long that takes, hauling drums? It takes a while. And so I said, you know what? 
what God does for us, God does through us. So there was a lower lot that was reserved for, uh, we'll say, the, the RAs and the, the upper echelon of the university. So I, in all my infinite wisdom in my college days, decides, you know what? I'm going to make a fake lower lot parking pass. <laughs> so I made it, and it was good. It was real good. And I got away with it for a month. I was parking down in that lower lot. It took me about 10 minutes to get everything unloaded right in front of my dorm. I loved it. One day, I washed my windows. That's why you should never wash your windows. I washed my windows in my car, and the, uh, the, the pass, the, the sticker sort of folded. Well, the security guard saw it and ran the number, and long story short, I didn't get a ticket. I got a boot on my car. But that wasn't the end of it. I got called into the dean's office, and the dean said, I'm sorry, but you have lost your car privileges for the rest of the year. You can no longer park your car on this campus. You imagine that? All of a sudden, I lost my parking privileges. All of a sudden, I couldn't get to my gigs. All of a sudden, I couldn't make a way. Now, I'll be honest with you, I messed up. I did it. It was all my fault. All my fault. And then I called my mother. <laughs> Thank God for mothers, Reverend Choi. Thank God for mothers. I called my mother and I said, Mom, you'll never believe what happened. I did something so dumb. I did something so stupid. And out of her mouth, I swear, I was so surprised. She said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't you give me your car for this semester, and you can have my car for this semester? I was a little shocked, because at first I was like, what is this? Is my mother trying to scheme with me at the school? You know, what is, what is this about? But everything was legal. Everything was legit. We got it all situated. But I would have never guessed that my mother, if you knew my mother, you would, she does not do stuff like this. And yet even still, I believed in that situation. I learned my lesson. But spirit still worked in the life of my mother, myself, the school, and thank God I graduated. I didn't have to do any more curfews or any of that stuff. Even in the most trying times, even when you are responsible and you do something so dumb and stupid, God can still work to bring about some good. You read about in our text today that Saul struggles. He struggles throughout his whole life. He's always wrestling with whether or not he is good enough. There's King David that's going to come right after him, and he does not know how to deal with it. Now, some of his issues are his own, uh, of his own doing, and some are the doings of others. But later in the story, the storyline goes that rather than surrender in battle to a foreign army, Saul, in disparity, falls on his own sword and takes his own life. It's sort of a tragic ending to a life that has been treated oh so cruel by society. We all know people who, whose lives have ended tragically because they've been treated oh so cruel by our society. It is amazing that when I read the commentaries of brilliant scholars with PhDs on these texts, it was amazing to read how they were placing all of the blame on Saul for the things that were happening in his life. It was amazing for me to read how scholars were ridiculing Saul for how he died and how he killed himself. It is sort of amazing how we do things like this. And yet, people of God, I kind of understand because, you see, we have our own guilt when this stuff happens. And we project all blame and we project all shame onto the victims. Saul, the mother in the music video, our friends and loved ones who have been taken away from us so soon. We might even project the blame and shame on a higher power. 
And I kind of get it. I know that life can be so cruel sometimes, and we do not know how to deal with it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I do not profess to understand everything that happens. But what I do know is that even amidst the grief, even amidst the pain, even amidst the tears and the confusion, people of God, the divine, is still present, looking to bring about something of a blessing for somebody in every situation. You see, even when there's pain, pain can give way to divine potential. Even when there's confusion, God can turn it into a clarity of purpose. Even when you are anger, angry, it can be turned into a holy indignation at the unjust expectations that we project onto one another. People of God, when we choose to carry on when we are tired, we are forced to give up some things, though. Now, we aren't usually asked to give up on life or even give up on God, though that sometimes happens. But we are asked to give up thoughts and beliefs, to give up perceptions and fears, anything that holds us back. We're asked to give up everything that contributes to the cruelty of the life of others, but also ourselves. Robert Holden says that there can be no future and there can be no miracles while you are still holding on to the old stuff. And so when you give up old ideals and you give up old expectations, when you remove stuff from the pedestals in your life, then you can be truly you and you can be you with the God who created you. And once that happens, then cynicism can begin to make way for hope. Then worry can begin to make way for some inspiration. Then disappointment can begin to make way for a truly joyful adventure in life. And the old can begin to make way for something greater, something beautiful. You, with the God-indwelling potential that is already within you. The Gospel Ensemble speaks words of life. They said, I pray for you, you pray for me, and watch God, watch God change things. People of God, continue to pray for yourself, for others, and let's watch God change some things. Amen.